Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. My name is Jacqueline, and I don't know if you've ever felt like you are just surviving your life. I know I have, and that's why I created this space. I want to help you move from surviving to thriving. My goal is to help you get unstuck and actually enjoy your life. Each week, I'll be sharing practical tips and always point you to Jesus. So what are you waiting for? Let's get ready to thrive. Hi guys, welcome to Ready to Thrive. Today on the show, I have my new friend, Jessica. She is a legit beauty expert. She's been working in the beauty industry for 22 years doing hair and makeup for some major celebrities. And I'm not gonna name drop, but I do ask her to on the show. And I don't have her here because of her fame and not because of her beauty, but because of her love for Jesus and how she has come to realize that true beauty grows from the inside out. I loved talking with Jessica, and our conversation is long, but I know you'll be encouraged through it. We talk about beauty, but we also talk about waiting and waiting well. She was 35 when she got married, and we talk about pain, and we talk about how do you actually grow in your faith? How do you actually grow in your joy? She actually found herself bedridden this year with excruciating pain, yet she calls this one of the best years of her life. I'm so excited for you to listen in on my conversation with Jessica Shakir. Welcome to the Ready to Thrive podcast. I am so excited to be sitting here with Jessica Shakir. Um, she is a beauty expert, and I'm so excited to have her on. Jessica, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, my friend. I just, I love that we connected. I am so passionate about you know, talking with women about living the abundant life, which includes having the right definition of beauty and which includes resting. And I know we'll get to that. I just had to say, I'm so happy to be here with you. Mm -hmm. So a little bit about me. I like to talk (laughs) and I am a child of God. I, I love the Lord. I, I have been a student of beauty all my life too. I've been in the beauty industry for 22 years as a hair and makeup artist. And I've been blessed to work with a great group of people from celebrities to chefs, from authors to activists and have gone all over the world. And so sometimes I look down at my makeup bag in my hand and I think the places you have taken me, but truly it's God, thank you for this adventure you had me on. And so my whole life, I feel, has been uh, one big romance with the Lord. Um, I am a joy-filled person. I I am a peace-filled person. Thank you, Lord. And that only comes from being in intimacy and connection with God. And I know we'll get to that even more. But I do want to share, too, that even though I joy is one of my superpowers, <laughs> I'm well acquainted with grief and with pain. And um, I know what it feels like. I, I truly remember what it feels like to be burdened, feeling imprisoned with self-doubt, confidence issues, not feeling beautiful, in pain, uh, fear of the future, abandonment, um, you know, I just want to put that out there because I know some people can and meet me or watch me on Instagram or listen to a podcast and think, well, she's just a happy girl. That's how she was born, you know, but I really had to fight for my joy. And I thank God for the gift that we have, that access to abundant life with him. So girlfriend, I think I'm just like going on a tangent here. You no, asked me good. to tell me about me and I'm talking about the word of God. It's but good. That's how I do. I, I love the Lord. I love life. And I love learning. 
Well, before I have a few specific questions about all things beauty, I just yes. want to, I really just want to have fun for a second. I really want you to name drop. Can you please just tell oh. me like just a few <laughs> of your favorite celebrities or just some cool celebrities you've worked with? Um, yeah. You know, it's funny. And I, I I can't not tell you the story about Eminem and Dr. Dre. They were just so cool. And when I was working with them for the weekend, I thought, wow, this is wild. Because at the time I was so used to working with models and uh, actresses and, you know, that beauty makeup and stuff. And so being able to work a full weekend with Marshall and Dre, it was super cool. And I have to say, Marshall is a very kind human. Um, I was very pleasantly surprised. And okay, so worked with the cast of Glee, uh, Hawaii Five-0, Lost, uh, Summer Blair, Rachel Hunter, Kobe Calais. Uh, oh, Kevin Bacon was a fun one because, you know, you grew up hearing about Kevin Bacon or what was it? The six degrees from Kevin Bacon. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to make that joke because as, as you name drop, I'm like, oh, I'm one degree from all these people. I'm one de- <laughs> um, so now it really is one degree from Kevin Bacon. That's awesome. <laughs> there you go. And oh. he was a really kind person too, so... Awesome. Well, I know for you, like you said, you've been in this beauty industry for so long. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you go to your Instagram feed, Jessica Sh- Shakir Beauty or mm-hmm. My Beauty BFF, um, you would think, oh, this girl just, it's been so easy for her mm. her whole life. So can you just take me way back a little bit to like, when you were growing up, were you like, I feel so beautiful all the time? <laughs> like, how did you start out? I love this question and thank you for inviting me to go way back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, I grew up in a, a loving family, a big family. I felt love. I heard love. I knew love. We loved the Lord. We worshiped together. I mean, it was a happy childhood, a happy family. And my father passed away when a couple weeks before I turned five. And that just, as you can imagine, turned our lives upside down. Mm-hmm. My mom was younger than I am now and a widow with four children. And so, mm-hmm. From an early age, I knew what heartbreak felt like, and I knew what your world being turned upside down felt like. But I also, and I thank God for this, I also remember one of my most vivid memories, that first connection where I really got real with God and had a grown-up conversation with God. I was a young child, and I remember walking outside, looking up at the sky and saying, God, you took my daddy. I need you to be my daddy now. And I really feel looking back on my life, I can I can just see him saying, I am, I will. He's been the great I am in so many seasons of my life. And as a, maybe I was five or six when I had that conversation with God, as a young girl, knowing what it feels like to be rescued by the God of the universe, I've taken that with me throughout my whole life. I know what that feels like. So I know that I can go to him for help. I know I can go to him for anything. So I've never, um, and again, I thank God for it. I've never wanted to turn my back on God because I knew I needed him. He was my life source, my lifeline. And um, yeah, that just began a really beautiful connection with heaven for me. And the way I describe it is, all my life, I felt the warmth of heaven on my skin because my daddy is there, mm-hmm. you know, and my heavenly father is there. And so, you know, moving into, gosh, moving into growing into your identity and, and finding out what it is. And I'm a young girl. I'm 
12 years old and I'm thinking, well, I'm really good at dance and I love to dance. And one reason why I love to dance so much was because I had a really bad speech impediment and I hated talking in front of people. I would get looked at funny. I would get made fun of at school. I just hated talking in front of people. So dance was my outlet and I was good at it and I loved it. And so what does a 12 year old do with all that? You begin to build your identity on that. I want to be a ballerina. I want to be a dancer. But when dance was taken away from me, because I had to wear back brace for scoliosis for three years, I had a hard time. That was an issue of, whoa, identity crisis, really, you know, and I just look back on that. And I think God was so kind to meet me in that moment too, because he allowed me to, to really know that my identity is not in what I do. It's not in what I look like. It's not in how I talk. It's who I am as a child of God and who he says I am. And so that was a huge lesson as a young preteen slash teenager, not to put my identity, not to put all my hope in something that can be taken away. And what can't be taken away? The love of God. Mm. So, wow, you definitely went through a, through a lot of um, pain and heartache. Yes. A lot of different things as a yes. um, young girl. And I know um, you said this, uh, you said past, this season past season has also, has also included, included walking, walking through, through a season of pain. And what was that like for you? Yeah, this January, I hurt my neck and it created a a compound issue of problems on my spine, multiple bulging discs, a tear in my disc. One of the bulges were pressing into my spinal sac and degenerative disc. And, you know, I'm sure there are people listening to me that can relate and they're cringing as I (laughs) relive those moments, because if you've been through it, you have, you have empathy, you know that it is kind of like hell on earth um, for a couple of months, just ongoing. So for me, that took me out of the game as far as I was told I couldn't work for two months. So being a freelancer and loving what I do and being used to burning the candle at both ends, I'm just going (laughs) to... Just going to confess it right now because I know who I'm talking about. (laughs) But hearing the words you had to take another two months off of work just in a way broke my heart. And I thought, what? Oh my gosh, this year I was, I was going to accomplish a lot. In fact, I'll tell you right now, girlfriend, I, my husband and I, our word that we prayerfully decided on for 2019 (laughs) is the word success. And at first we were a little nervous to kind of claim that or share that. But as we were talking with God about it, our definition of success, and this is before I got hurt, was, Lord, we don't want to get in the way of what you have planned for us to do. We want to, to, to fulfill our call, our assignment on our lives. We want to glorify you with our lives. And we want to, you know, we want to complete what you have called us to do here on earth. And then a couple of weeks later, after the new year, bam, I hurt my neck. I'm on bed rest. Kind of to wrap it up, I'll give you an overview. Three and a half months on bed rest. Like mm-hmm. it was hard to wash my hair. It was hard to brush my teeth. My neck just felt broken. And then five months altogether off of work. So now you can imagine starting off the year, I had my quarterly goals. I had my year goals. My word was success. God, we're going to do this. I'm going to rock it up for you, Lord. And then boom, I'm in bed. And that's when God really had to teach me a lesson all over again that success to God is about our obedience and not about our accomplishment. 
Mm. And that was a big one for me. I'm like, wait, what? And then just him taking me through the Bible and reading the story of Moses and reading the story. I mean, it's throughout the Bible, God measures our success on how well we obey him in the heart of the matter. If we delight in his commands and if we desire to obey him, it isn't just in do, 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 create, 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 you know, where you've probably heard this before and I love it. So I'll say it again, we're a human being, not a human doing. And this year has been relearning that I am valuable. I'm beautiful. I am significant and successful to God because I delight in his word and I delight in his way and I love him. And my heart is to be obedient to him while I'm here on this earth. Um, what a, what a hard lesson to learn. And especially as you're, you're going into 2019, yes. pumped up, <laughs> pumped gonna, up. Gonna, gonna slay. <laughs> and then it really was this forced rest mm. time. Yes. But sounds like there was so much heart work that was done. So much hard work. Yes. And is that what sort of birthed this program that you have started? Is that where it came from or did you already have that in mind? Okay. It it really did. I went through intense therapy with God this year and I, I'm so thankful for it. Again, I wouldn't ever want to go back and relive that pain, but it is wild to think that the most painful year, nine months of my life has also led me to this place of being the most joy-filled, the most peace-filled, the most centered, the most confident in who God is and who I am and my connection with him, my connection with God. That doesn't, that doesn't add up unless you're doing life with Jesus, you know, in real life, like the most painful season, shouldn't bring you to that realization. Man, I am, I'm full of peace today, man. I have joy for days, you know, Mm. but what I was also trying to, um, and I, and I'll answer your question, but what I really was fighting for in those painful moments where a lot of times I couldn't sleep and then that would only make the matter of pain worse and such. So I'd be up at 4am kind of walking around and I would have to fight for my joy. I would have to fight for <laughs> mental clarity. I would I would just have to fight for these things. And and I'll I'll tell you at one point I couldn't even lift the Bible because my neck would hurt and I couldn't dip my head down to read the Bible on a table because it would hurt to look down. And so I just, the word that was hidden in my heart and I'm like, Holy Spirit, bring to mind everything that that I've already read, all the things you've already taught me, bring that to mind. And so I would just fight for gratitude and fight for joy. And, And it did not mean, I do want to be clear on this, it did not mean that I wasn't real with my pain and I didn't face my pain you could faith it and face it at the same time. And in fact, we should. So I was real with it. And I brought that to God. And I was real with the fact, like, I am scared. My hands are shaking so bad that I can't even feed myself. I'm afraid that I won't ever be able to do makeup again. You know, so there were those real fears that I had to face and bring to God. But I tell you what, looking back on those nights, there was such... um, crazy, powerful synergy, like intimacy with God that I just thank him for. I thank him for that. I thank him for that. Pardon me. I thank him that nothing is wasted, that no pain is wasted. And so from that place of not being able to do anything and not being able to do makeup, I'll kind of sum it up with the Q 
cute, funny little story about my husband. So we were talking and he was like, babe, I hate to see you in pain. And oh my gosh, my heart breaks. I hate to see you not being able to do what you love and you love doing makeup and you love working with women. And so I was praying, Lord, what does she love doing even more than makeup? And babe, it hit me. You love talking way more than you love makeup. (laughs) (laughs) And so what was at one point, my five-year goal, it was my five-year goal to be a coach and to be a speaker and to write more and to really focus and get quiet and and, and do this meaningful work. That was going to be my five-year goal. But what God did in this pain, he took that five-year goal. He made it my now goal. <laughs> he made it my now goal. And he did the work that I needed to do inside that I can step out in my worthiness, that I can step out in my authority, which comes from which comes from the Lord, and that I could be prepared for what he has ahead for me, you know? So gosh, would I have done all this deep work without being hurt? I would have liked to say yes, I would, but I I hadn't, you know? So I want to touch on something because I think what you have described this whole process is mm-hmm. you in many ways were stripped away of everything, your mm-hmm. ability to move mm-hmm. and to rely on yourself. So you are relying fully on God. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know people can relate even if their situation is different where you feel like your life has been completely altered, completely stripped. And yes. when you're saying you had to, I just want to know, like when you're fighting for joy and fighting for peace and you're facing it saying, Mm -hmm. this is hard, but I'm fighting for it. Like what, what can people do? Like, what is a tool you could say to them? Hey, this is what this could look like in your life. Like what does it look like to fight for that? Oh, I love breaking that down to practical application. I'm a huge fan and a believer of speaking things out loud. The devil can't read your mind. He ain't that smart, you know, but say it out loud and declare it out loud. And my husband has helped me a lot with, with declaring things and giving thanks to God in a positive way. Rather that when we first got married, I woke up and um, one day I'm like, babe, I woke up. I didn't have any pain. Thank God I didn't have any pain. And he said, well, praise God, babe. And maybe we could start saying, thank God I woke up feeling aligned. I woke up feeling strong instead of always talking and going back to pain. So to, what you can do practically for to fight for that is speak the word of God out loud. Even if you're in a situation like I was, you couldn't lift the Bible, speak out loud what you remember, what you know to be true. Speak out loud the voice of truth so that you're that you can believe that, you know, we believe by hearing the word of God. And, and so often this narrative that we have on repeat because ugh, we were just yeah, whatever it is, this narrative of unworthiness of, wow, I'm always going to be like this. It's never going to change. Really, this is my new permanent forever. It, you know, uh, just all of that um, negative self-talk and, and to replace that negative narrative with the truth, with the authentic truth. And, you know, I, I talk about authenticity a lot with beauty. And authenticity isn't just, oh, I'm going to share how I feel. I'm going to wear my heart in a sleeve. That's part of it. But authentic is also based on facts, reliable, certain. And are our feelings reliable based on facts? Not really, not all the time. The only thing that is reliable, unchanging, and certain is the word of God. Mm-hmm. So 
that has to be in the equation and that has to be at the top of the equation, you know, but also sharing, okay, Lord, I'm just going to, I'm just going to tell you what I'm afraid of. I'm going to get it out of my body. I'm going to tell you what I'm afraid of. You're big enough. I can bring it to you, you know? And then I made myself after I spoke out loud, what I was afraid of, then I made myself, even in that moment to share 10 things that I was grateful for for family to help me through this painful time, for a husband who loves me, who's working for me and the connection with God. And I was thankful for my grandma who taught me so much about the Bible. Now I have it hidden in my heart. And so I want to start there, speaking truth out loud over yourself so that you remember what's accurate and what's authentic in your life. Then you can distinguish the voice of authenticity and the voice of counterfeit, the counterfeit voice, right? So that would probably be number one. Number two, I had to surround myself with people who would speak life over me, who would say, Jess, you're just walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You are not setting up camp here. You're walking through, this is not your home. This is not your forever. Well, in the moment, I felt like it would be my forever. In the moment, I didn't know how this could pass. I thought, wow, I ruined my spine. Oh my gosh, I worked so hard and didn't rest enough that now look where I'm at. You know, So I beat myself up for that too. But I had to realize, no, actually, it is not my forever. Even if, God forbid, for my time on earth, I have to deal with this pain. It is not my forever because forever, Jessica and eternity is without pain, is completely joy-filled, completely peace-filled, completely loving, completely creative. And so I had to make myself imagine who I would be in eternity. And even if it was only 10 minutes a day, I would live that out. I would think that. Mm -hmm. And I often say, you know, my pain will not last forever, but my joy will. And that's why I talk about joy so much more than pain. And that's why I feed my joy so much more than pain. And that's why I just, I can be grateful because no matter what I endure on this earth, my forever is a perfect, brilliant, vibrant heaven waiting for me. I love how so much of what you shared was almost like you, um, you may not have been able to move your body, but you were getting so strong mm. in your mind. And I think yes. that that really is what our world needs is to yes. um, work out our minds. And yeah. so you're talking about like taking captive those thoughts mm -hmm. and you're talking about speaking out truth and hearing that truth. Um, and you're talking about, I think it's Philippians 4, 8, where it talks about like thinking on what is true and what is real and you're not letting yourself go. Because I think every single one of us, regardless of where we're at, regardless of our circumstances, we are going to hear those counterfeit things that are producing fear and producing anxiety and things that we can start to spiral and run away with thinking yeah. this is going to be my life or what if this happens. Um, and so I love that in that you were building on a foundation you already had, which again, mm -hmm. I, again, I love that when we're not walking through the storm is a great time to be building that foundation, right? Getting the word in us. So that preparing we know, for the battle yes, before you're on the front line. <laughs> totally. So we know it and then we can be strengthened in it. Um, yes. That's so great. Um, I do want to move on because you, we haven't talked a lot about beauty yet, um, oh, but, yes. but what we've talked about is so good um, because I think, yeah, we need. Jacqueline, can I just yeah. say one more thing? Yeah. Can I just say one more thing? Yes. In in the mess and the pain, I realized that joy is my weapon because mm -hmm. if joy, if that is what got Jesus through the cross for the joy set before him, he endured. 
he endured the cross. Like I will, what I endure in this lifetime won't even come close to what he endured. And for him to get through it, he held on to joy because he knew his joy was forever as well. He knew that this valley of death was just, he was just walking through. And so I really learned with so much more authority and confidence mm-hmm. that joy is my weapon. So I want to encourage people if they're, even if they're in the pain or, or they're not, you know, maybe they're at a mountaintop, feed your happy tank, feed your joy tank, build that up and make that so strong because that will help you navigate the painful times in, in life. Yeah, that is so good. I love that thought of, you know, I've heard people use that phrase of defiant joy and really saying like, I am just, I have this, I just imagine picking up some sort of sword of joy and being able to wield it. (laughs) Um, That's so good. Um, Well, I feel like, you know, you are somebody who you are, A, you're living in LA, which is like the land of beautiful people. (laughs) And then um, you are face to face with beautiful people all day long. And so how do you, I think, you know, for a lot of women, we get in this place of um, comparison or feeling bad about ourselves because that, how do you maintain a, I want to talk about like this healthy idea of beauty and not kind Mm -hmm. of getting stuck in comparison. Like how do you do that as a beauty expert or how do you see people doing that? Oh, I love that. Well, I started doing makeup when I was 16. So as a teenager, you're already fighting through insecurity and trying to find your place in the world and making sense of who you are and all the things. Well, imagine being that girl dealing with that and then having a supermodel in your chair, you know? So at 16 years old, I was working uh, full time as a makeup artist. 18 years old, actually, I started working with celebrities and working with a celebrity photographer. So being thrown into that world at such a young age, I just have to say, thank the Lord that I had a good foundation of truth and my identity. And perhaps that's why God had me go through the difficult things that I went through at an early age because he knew he would use me in the workplace as a teenager. So there were things that were already in my heart that were already set. You know, I I really wanted to um, wait till I was married to have sex so that that gift can be shared with my, my one true love my hubby Vincent, who's sitting right here. And I also had it in my heart not to uh, drink alcohol until I was graduated high school. Anyway, I'm totally going on a tangent, but God was preparing me, completely preparing me to go into the entertainment industry. So how did I, how did I work that out? How was I able to grow my own confidence and beauty being surrounded by super beautiful people? is that I I just saw that they were flawed too, that they were carrying pain, that they, like me, they had issues too, you know, and that we're all human. And the kind of cool thing about it is I was... I was aware of the fact that so much of what we do in this industry is smoke and mirrors. It's kind of magic, you know, you have magical light, you have talented makeup artists and hairstylists and fashion stylists, like taping you and clipping you and cinching you. And then you have the lighting and the photographer. Then you have a model who knows her angles. That's not real life. That's all magic. That's art. It is art. So being privy to that information, knowing that, whoa, this, this takes so much. This is so much of a team, um, a team effort. And it's such an art form that allowed me to look at a magazine cover and not wish I was her because I know how many people were there trying to make that shot happen. And not even to mention airbrushing. So that's another thing. But knowing that and having those facts and having that truth helped me manage my mind and help me stay in my lane, so to speak. But 
the other thing I remember, I really vividly remember, you know, God catching me in those thoughts because early and I would say, oh man, I wish I looked like her. Wow. I wish I had, and God would catch me and go, really? You wish you looked like her? So would you give up your relationships, your connection with me, your life, your past, your future to trade with hers? Would you do that? Would you want to do that? And he would ask me. And every time I would think, no, I wouldn't want to do that. You know, so facing it at an early age and realizing that doesn't even make sense. Why would I want to wish I was somebody else mm-hmm. you know, and waste that time? And the other thing I will say to that, this question is I was very passionate about my art, about the craft, about working with women. And so I think that's one of the best anti-drugs for young people. What are you passionate about? Build that, learn that, get curious, grow in your, in your knowledge of, of your craft, of your hobby, of your future career, grow in that and get excited about it. So I was really passionate about my work and therefore it segued into, wow, I get to be passionate about how I show up in this life. I get to passionate, be passionate about what I do and who I become. So the passion for life, for my connection with God outweighed my temptation to compare myself with mm-hmm. the world and with other women. And I love that you shared about just the fact that just the smoke and mirrors, right? Like the fact that you are getting that behind the scenes look that the rest of us don't get to have. So right. we, we just see the finished product and think, how do I compare myself? It's like, yes. well, you're, you're, you're not, you don't have a team of 10 people working on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love you, um, that you touched on that. And, um, and then I was thinking sometimes the opposite can happen in the Christian sphere where um, it's easy for some of us to grow up in this place of feeling like, I am a Christian woman, therefore, mm-hmm. I should just be really plain and really modest. Mm-hmm. And um, I shared a post recently about how I often have had that struggle of if I if I dress up, if I just people are going to think I'm too much, or this is not you know godly, or whatever. And what would you say? What about you say about finding finding just that, just that healthy, healthy balance, balance of beauty as a Christian woman. I love that you were use the word healthy because there is a healthy harmony between outer beauty and inner beauty. And look, I'm a makeup artist. I'm the girliest girl you will ever meet. Well, perhaps. So I love the decoration part of beauty. I love the outer beauty. It's my, my job. And with that, I also know that my inner beauty is what I can really control and it's more important and it's eternal and it could grow over the decades where the outer beauty is fleeting and it'll kind of disappear as we, you know, age and and move along and that's okay. But I'm training my mind to know that I'm beautiful from the inside out. Like I, I have to close my eyes and forget about how I look, forget about maybe the health issues at the time, forget about my what I can't do at the moment. Do I feel beautiful? Am I, am I truly oh, aligned with the word of God and what he says about me? Mm. I do feel beautiful. I do like deep down when I close my eyes or, you know, moving through life. Granted, I am tempted to, you know, you just have to do the daily work to fight off temptation and fight off self-doubt. But deep down, I do feel beautiful. And, um, I just went on a tangent and am I totally <laughs> no, like, no, I, no it's, it's good. <laughs> I do. I do want to know. Cause I think one thing you touched on that I, I think is really good just to realize the beauty that comes from within will 
come out, right? It does have that sense of growing in confidence the more um, the yeah. more your affirmation comes from him. But I guess I just want to know as the a Christian wow. woman who might who might who might in, who some, might in some ways, ways be, like, be like, oh, I'm I don't dress up or do I don't dress out or do whatever because I do, 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 do you know what I'm saying there? there? Like, like, okay, there almost be this resistance to outward. Beauty. Yes. Well, what I wanted to say with all that is just make sure you're feeding your inner beauty more because whatever you feed the most in your life will be strongest. And so we have this innate sense of longing to be a part of a beautiful story. We are made in the image of a beautiful God. Women, women, it's our birthright. Beauty and value as human beings, especially as women, we, that's our birthright. It isn't anything that we apply or chase after or put on, or we can't walk into Sephora and apply beauty. You know, that's all pretty. That's all outward work. But if we really want to feel beautiful and not just look the part on Instagram. It's an inside out work. And so you have to make sure, look at your calendar, look and manage your mind for the day, where your thoughts going, where your dollar is going, where your time going. Are you spending more time on outer beauty or inner beauty? And both are, can be healthy, but you have to feed your inner beauty more if you want to be anchored. And if you want to feel confident, because in this life, there will always be somebody that looks different than you or shinier hair or more perfect skin. I don't know. You fill in the blank. And so if we're relying on our outer appearance, we're always going to be striving. One thing I like to say, I like to remind myself too, why put all our hope into something that comes off with a little water? You know, there's a lot of women who hide behind the mask of makeup and who think that they aren't worthy of showing up or worthy of being called beautiful unless they're full on, their full on face is on and they're in their cute little outfit. Well, you have to always go to the heart of the matter. Is Does that please the Lord? Is that truth? No, you're always going to be striving. But when your heart is in the right place and when you're anchored in your identity in the Lord, and then you do all the fun outer decoration, I'll just say, that's that's wonderful. You're enjoying your femininity. You're enjoying who God made you to be. And I think of when King Solomon built the temple. He didn't spare any detail on the outer part of the temple either. He took great pride and it. it was an honor for him to build the temple as an act of worship to the Lord. He took great pride with the inside of the temple, with the outside of the temple. And that's what we need to do as well. And hey, let's just break down the word beauty for a minute. Beauty essentially is a group of characteristics that will naturally attract and allure. So when you have that attention, what are you going to do with that attention? Mm-hmm. What I have found, and especially growing up in this industry, is that if all eyes are on you and you don't have a story to tell, you don't have a message to give, you don't have a, an assignment that you're clear on from the Lord that you just want to help. For me, I really want to help women walk in freedom. I really want them to know that they're valuable and they're beautiful because they are. So if you don't have that to give, if you don't partner beauty with bravery, you're not going to change culture. You're not going to change the world. In fact, if all you get is attention and then you don't know what to do with it, you're going to be even more insecure. And so that's why when my line of work, I see some of the most gorgeous women are very, very insecure because they're constantly being judged on their outer appearance. I wouldn't like that. That would be so hard to thrive, you know? So it does come back to the heart of the matter, to your mind, and just knowing the truth about beauty. And uh, gosh, there's so much I would love to share about beauty, but also, I just wanted to share with the, the audience, the girls listening, you know, when God created 
the earth, when he created us, when he, the whole creation process, he said, he finished with, ah, this is good. That right there is a definition of beauty and beauty is is always connected with truth and goodness. My friend, Brian Chan, he wrote a book on the philosophy of beauty and he eloquently said, beauty, true beauty from a philosophical perspective and a biblical perspective is always tied to two things, truth and goodness. So beauty makes you want to be true. It makes you want to be good at pulling in that direction. And we have to be really careful on what we find beautiful because ultimately what we find beautiful will lead us in that direction. And we're all meant to worship something. Humans were made to worship something. If we're not worshiping the Lord, the one thing, person worthy of our worship, then it says, Oof, that's a hard, if if we find ourselves worshiping like at our appearance or fame or money or cloud or whatever it is, uh, that's going to be a hard life. That's not how we're meant to live. So what we find beautiful is crucial. I love that. I feel like I could like pick off 12 different things and and (laughs) go for it. Um, And I love that you just shared about how, you know, when we really, when we get to that place of being, finding our beauty in him and -hmm. seeking him, we do kind of, you even shared about how then it can be kind of fun. And I actually do think that God wants us to have fun and just to be able to be free. Like you said, you love being able to share with 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 him that you are beautiful and you can be free to sort of express that as you do your hair and all of those wonderful things. Yes, Uh, And, you know, I see that in my kids. Like that's one thing I love. My three-year-old right now walks around I'm so pretty. I'm so fancy. And I'm like, you are. Like she just loves, she puts on a dress and... My five-year-old wants to play makeup and hair and all these things. I'm like, you guys are just, you are living the way I wish every woman lived. And just that, you know what I mean? That freedom of just being like, I am beautiful. Look at me. And again, not in a, um, focusing on the outward, but they're just so, they're just so content with who they are. And I think that's something that I, um, wish and, more for women. Yes. And you get to watch your three little girls grow up and, and just seeing how it's this innate desire to be beautiful and to be a part of something beautiful. And, oh man. So I don't want women to hide that. I don't want women in faith to feel like they have to bury that or starve it or kill it. You know, it's not a sin. It's, yeah. it's not a sin. You're it's, it's, we have the freedom to do it. Um, but again, it always has to be the heart of the matter and, and do it in a healthy way. And in Matthew 5, right, talking about being a city on a hill. Mm. Matthew 5, um, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand. And it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men so that... I always love those two words in the Bible so that they may see your good works and and then give glory to your father in heaven. Uh, We just talked about this at church too. And I love it because hello, be the light so that men can see your good works. Humans Mm -hmm. can see your good works, but it doesn't stop there. What does it say? So that pointing back to heaven as beauty should always point back to heaven so that you can give glory to your father in heaven. And so, hey, it's in the Bible, right? There, be a light. Women, be a light. <laughs> I love and when it. You, yeah, and when beauty, when, you know, joy is so beautiful. Um, another word, another synonym for beauty is magnetic. So what, what's magnetic about a person? Joy, compassion, kindness, humor, freedom, sense of confidence, you know? And 
those things we get to put on, we get to feed, we get to grow as a woman. And so when I put on my makeup, when I'm doing my hair, oftentimes I'll say, okay, Jessica, put on joy, put on compassion, put on empathy. You know, those things will attract people to you. Then you can point back to heaven with that attention. That's, that's what it's for. You think of Queen Esther, you know, God entrusted her with, with that gift of beauty because he knew he could trust her with it and she was brave with it. And look what happened. Well, I love that you have just shared about how not only do you practice putting on makeup, but you're practicing clothing yourself with compassion mm-hmm. and those things. And I think we just sometimes can get in that place of thinking, oh, I'm, I'm just not a compassionate person or I'm just not, a, you know what I mean? Empathetic person. But yes. those, those are things to practice. Like you mentioned earlier in your um, season of incredible pain and inability to move practicing yeah. gratefulness and specifically saying like, I'm specifically grateful for this. And I know you've mentioned that what we feed grows. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to shift gears just quickly here a little bit. And I want to yeah. talk about, because um, I know there are women listening who are single. Mm-hmm. And so I want to just ask you when you were in a place of singleness and how did you get yes. to that place <laughs> of feeling like you were really content with where you're at? And I'm sure you weren't always feeling super content, but how did you get to a place where you're like, you know what, this is a good season. Mm-hmm. How did you, th- how did you well, thrive in that? Well, I had three decades to okay. reframe my mindset <laughs> while I was yes. single. Let's just be real. I didn't meet the love of my life until I was 35 and he's chuckling now behind me. And I walked down the aisle at 36 years old. I had no clue that when I promised my future husband, I would wait till my wedding night that I would be a 36 year old virgin. <laughs> but there you go. I was. So I had a lot of time in the waiting season to talk with God about it, to hash things out. Right. And a couple of practical things that helped me was every, every time my friend would get engaged, every time somebody would ask me to throw their bridal shower, cause I'm pretty good at throwing parties. And then as time went on, they would ask me to throw their baby showers. <laughs> so every time I had the opportunity to be hopeless, I made sure to feed my hope, especially in those times when I wanted to be like, oh, it'll never happen for me. Oh my gosh, where is he? And what are you doing? Have you forgotten me? And and not just in terms of waiting for my husband, but waiting in general, it's something I really love to talk about, how to wait well, how to endure well, you know, and whatever it is that you're waiting on, a healing, a, a calling, clarity, a husband, you know, you, we have the chance to either feed hope or feed into hopelessness, but we can't do both at the same time. And so knowing that whatever you feed the most grows strong in your life. I looked forward. I looked beyond my current situation to my dream life. Well, one day I want to be preaching with my husband, traveling the world. I want to be married and have children. Okay. I'm going to keep that vision alive. And, uh, you know, where there is no vision, the people perish, right? I'm going to keep that dream alive. What do I need to thrive in that future dream life. What do, what do I need? So now let me reverse engineer it. Right now I am single as a dollar bill. You know, if I continue to get grumpy and get bitter and feed my hopelessness, will that get me to the life that I want eventually? No, it'll actually push me further away. And so I was just so thankful that 
I knew that managing my mindset and putting on the mind of Christ and renewing my mind was of utmost importance because wherever you go, there you go. When you get married, you bring you into your marriage. So if you are, if you're a single girl right now and you're struggling with loneliness and you're struggling with feeling worthy and feeling beautiful and feeling that God sees you. I have been there. I have felt that. I didn't allow myself to stay in those feelings. Feelings are meant to be led, not followed. So I just thought, okay, God, I'm going to be real with you right now. This, this is awful. Like I don't feel (laughs) fill in the blank, right? I don't feel beautiful. I don't feel um, worthy. Those were two, those are always going to be two major ways that the enemy gets after women, right? The, Mm. the, temptation to feel those things. So I would bring it to the Lord and say, help me to become the woman that you want me to become. Help me to become the woman that one day I will be married and one day I'm going to be a dang good wife, you know? So help me to prepare for that now. So I really believe that having a positive future vision for your life, how you show up in the world, what you can do in the world, partnering with Jesus all, all the way, Having that and then reverse engineering that. So where you're at now, you have 100% control over how you respond to life, how you respond to these things. I knew that it was important for me to be um, healthy-minded and to be strong in my identity in the Lord and to be secure in my calling, to be confident in my assignment and to feel beautiful and to feel valuable all by myself with the Lord. I knew that was going to be important for me to live out my dream life. And so for women listening, I encourage you to sit down with a pen and paper and write that out, plan that out, and then reverse engineer it. Because this is what I do with my clients in coaching and even in my makeup chair, even if it's not a coaching client, a makeup client, <laughs> like I just, I, I want to hear what they dream of. I want to hear what God is saying to them. I want to hear what do you, what story do you feel God is sharing through your life? Mm-hmm. And I, I want them to know, and this is really important that it's not just about achieving that thing. You're becoming that person that will thrive in that position. So if I, if a goal of mine was to write a book, which it is, if I'm not doing the, the leadership work and the spiritual work and the soul care work and managing my mind, one day I will write the book. And when I get there, I still might not be happy. You know what I mean? Because I didn't do the in, inner work. So to, to wrap it up, I have this shirt that was gifted to me when we were engaged that said happily engaged. And I rocked that shirt like all the time. <laughs> and I would say the, the, the real reason why I'm able to be this happily engaged Yes, I met an incredible man, the love of my life. He's like an amazing human and he's the best. That's why I married him. But yes, there's that. But really it was because I was happily single. Mm -hmm. And so that happy, that joy, that connection and confidence in the Lord and who I am, that didn't start when I met the man. That didn't start when I got the ring. That didn't start when I said I do. That started without any sign of him in my life. Jessica, that's so good. I think that whether you are a single person waiting to be married or you are any person waiting on any kind of dream or anything, it, it is that place of that the happiness, the joy, the whatever it is, isn't going to start at that moment. 
Mm-hmm. Right. It has to, it has to start here and now. And how yeah. do you be able to work on that stuff and get into that place of contentment? And so yeah. I wish we could talk longer about that. I do want to ask know. you a question because you mentioned earlier um, that before you injured yourself this year, you were burning the candle at both ends. And since then you've kind of been in this place of really loving diving into that idea of rest. And so what does that look like for you right now? Oh my gosh, being really intentional, planning ahead to rest. And I will just, I will admit this, although I've loved the Lord all my life, I have not been good at keeping the Sabbath. And it's as if that one little commandment, which was in the top 10, which was in the top four, it's the fourth one, as if that really didn't matter. But now I see, wow, Lord, I am sorry because you know, in the creation story, one of the first things, if not the first thing, one of the first things that God had us do was rest and look what I've done. And so what do you do when you rest is actually the, I feel the important part of that. So now I take, and I try my hardest, I take one day off a week as an act of worship to him. And I don't even allow myself to think about work, dream about work, strategize about work. And I love what I do. So it's hard to compartmentalize, but I literally just make myself take that day off. And what do I do in the meantime? I enjoy life. I look at what God has done. I am more attentive to some of the other details around me. And so making the Sabbath, making that restful time with God a priority. And uh, I've been good with it the past little bit, but last week I went to a four day conference and then I'm launching my coaching program. And before you know it, the whole week went by without a Sabbath. And I was actually, (laughs) I was actually proud of myself for feeling bad about missing it, you know, where before I wouldn't have even thought about missing it. And I want to just share really quickly, uh, Pastor Robert Morris preached about this and it's insanely cool. He was like, okay, so the Sabbath is the fourth commandment. The first four commandments are are how we relate to God, our connection to God. The last six are how we relate to people. So why is resting in the group of uh, commandments with how we relate to God? It's because when we don't rest and when we burn the candle at both ends, we, you know, there there's it's a danger zone. It can lead to overwhelm. It could lead to clinical depression. It could lead to um, pride. It could lead to arrogance. It could lead to insecurity. Um, All that to say, when we get out of the habit of taking a day off and looking at the Lord, what he's done, knowing that I'm going to trust in you. And Jacqueline, you wrote a quote recently. um, I'm not resting to work hard. I'm, I'm share it with me again. It was resting to work whole. Yes. Yes. To work whole. And so back to Robert Morris, he said, when we're tired, what is the first thing that the enemy will attack you in? Your identity. When Mm -hmm. Jesus was in the desert, he was tired. He was hungry. He was thirsty. He was depleted. He was at the end as a human being. He he was reaching the end. The enemy came and what did he do? He attacked his identity. Oh, if you say who you are, why don't you do this? Oh, if if you're the son of God, when we get tired, the enemy attacks our identity. And in turn, that has the power to separate our us from the Lord, mm-hmm. our intimacy, our connection with God. And so rest actually is a really smart, productive, spiritually wise thing to do. And why do we not fear the consequences of not obeying that commandment when we fear the consequences of all the other commandments, you know? So, and I don't want to be legalistic. I, I, I'm 
I hope you can hear that, but mm-hmm. I don't ever want to get in the habit of forgetting about one of the major commandments. And why is it there to protect us? Totally. Well, I think as you get into that habit, like any other, um, it does seem like this backwards thing of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, you realize how how much you're blessed by it. Mm-hmm. And often what can happen is that fear of um, needing to be in control, needing to produce, need, whatever. And it is almost this um, reprogramming and saying like, mm-hmm. no, this is this is productive. Like this is actually the, one of the best best things I can do. do. And I know it, for me, it was a long long season of learning how, um, because I used to get up on a Saturday morning with a to-do list that I would just create of things we suddenly had to do, um, and just kind of boss my family around. And it was, it definitely was killing us. And I think that, you know, you're not alone when you say you haven't, had a Sabbath because I think that's probably the case for so many people. But I really do feel like that is on God, God's heart right now to bring His people back to rest, to um, connect with Him and connect well with each other. Yes, a place of trust. And one of my mentors, Alicia Britchell Lee, she wrote a book called The Sacred Slow. If you haven't read it, you totally should. You'll love it, Jacqueline, right up your alley. And I love, I mean, she simply says, a well watered soul simply waters others by being. We can't give what we don't have. So if we expect to be a, a light to the world and, and change culture and point back to heaven, but we're running around with no margin, no time to help anybody, no time to pray for someone, and we're just trying to get to the next thing, and and uh, that was me, you know. But how are we going to be effective and be salt and be light if we're not rested and working from that place of rest, not just for it at the end of the week after all is said and done? And, um, yeah, so, well, I, I think that, life, huh? I think that's what I see in you, Jessica, I see mm-hmm. a well-watered soul who is, um, sharing mm-hmm. what she knows with others about confidence, about joy, about beauty. And, you know, I often, mm-hmm. I often think about the, um, woman at the well oh, who, yes, came, girl. Who, who came and it's like, she, we don't know exactly, you know, she was coming and didn't seem to have a lot of confidence or friends and then she becomes this woman who is now can't help herself how good and I think that's just like what you're talking about um beauty will pour out of us confidence will pour out of us all those things that really comes first from connecting with him yes Um, Jessica I could talk to you forever and we gotta wrap this in I know Jacqueline no Um, say it isn't so (laughs) but um you have a few things on the go and I'd love for people to hear about where they can find you and um if you could just do a little I know by the time this airs, your coaching program will have started, but I'm assuming you're going to run it again a second time. Yeah, we're so going to run it in January 2020. We already have a handful of women who have enrolled for the January 2020, and I cannot believe we're already there. 2020, oh, it's crazy. But you can find me on Instagram. Awesome. And you have another Instagram handle? I do. My beauty BFF. Yes. And you can find that on my main Instagram, but my beauty BFF is an educational platform that 